Welcome into the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. We've got a lot to talk about. we got a lot to talk about. I mean, Ohio State, yes, is the Big Ten champion. And yes, we're going to talk about the playoffs. And yes, we're going to talk about the Heisman finalists that were just released. And yes, we're going to talk about the men's basketball team, which is suddenly one of the best in the country. Somehow. I don't know how that happened, but it is. And yes, we're going to talk about Ask Us Anything. So we've got a lot of things that we kind of have to get through in a short period of time. So I want to just roll right into it. And look, I think this is this is how I feel about the game, Andy. I believe that the Big Ten title game was the most entertaining game that Ohio State has played all season. And I know people were angsty about the first half and all that stuff. I honestly, I'll take it. I, I, I know we'll talk about the seeding in the playoffs and stuff. I will take it. This is the most fun I've had watching Ohio State football since the year started. I know people want to see blowout, blowout, blowout. I love the hell out of this game. How do you feel about it? Well, the thing that you like about a, a dogfight like this, a knockdown, dragout, whatever you want to call it, you, you know these guys now have been, and Joel Klatt must have said this 10 times during the broadcast, but they've, they've been tested, right? So yeah. if you, you look at Clemson uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, they, they haven't had a test all year long. Okay, North Carolina, oh, all right, fine. Uh, they struggled against North Carolina, but they, they haven't gone into a game against a top 10 team and had to put it all on the line like that, right? So high state now, you know, in, in in three games in a row, played three of the best teams in the country and finished with that one. And in that first half, it looked like Wisconsin could do no wrong and Ohio State could do no right. So when yeah. you watch a game like that and watch Ohio State get back up off the mat and then go score 27 straight to win the thing, hey, all right, maybe there's a pretty good chance they can take anything you swing at them. That, that's right. kind of what I take away from a game like that is you, you don't have to worry now that when the chips are down, they're going to fold like a house of cards. Right. And here's the other thing, though. Like, as I said, people want to see these blowouts and Ohio State just be completely dominant and whatever. Yeah, I got a great time up for that. <laughs> yeah, well, right. But, like, my biggest gripe about that idea is that I don't think that tells you anything about a team because – Oftentimes, I think it says more about the opponent than the team that's beating them. I mean, yes, you can have these right. generational teams that are just like obviously one of the greatest assemblages of players that you've ever seen in your entire life, and that this is a generational team and they would beat NFL teams and blah, blah, blah. And maybe that does happen occasionally in college football. But typically, when you see that kind of thing happen, it's like I said, it's more indicative of the teams they're playing, the conference that they're in. To me, it's not nearly as interesting. And I don't know. I mean, I watch college football because I want it to be interesting. And this was an interesting game. <laughs> Ryan Day dialed up a fake punt from like his own red zone-ish area <laughs> where Drew Christman had to throw this perfect dime, right, to get a first down because they felt they had to do it. It wasn't something where they did that onside kick, right, that was just super awesome and baller and whatever. And it was kind of a fun little thing that they, you know, wrinkle that they added. They had to do it because they felt that that was the only way they were going to get their offense kickstarted against a Wisconsin team that was keying in on what Ohio State was doing. So I just – what I'm saying is, man, is that this reveals a lot about the team. Obviously, as you said, it reveals their character and how they're able to get off the mat. But it also shows to me that this is a team that's capable of – figuring things out when things aren't going well, right? They're, they're, they're capable of understanding what they need to do to win a close game. And I know, you know, you're getting to the point in the season where, yeah, you don't really need to have that confirmed, 
But going to the college football playoff, I just really enjoyed this game because to me, it showed that Ohio State is has more intestinal fortitude than maybe some people thought, right? They they could hand wave a lot of these other wins away by saying maybe the Big Ten is overrated or something like that. But when you see this and see that you've got a Wisconsin team that's pressing Ohio State a little bit and they still come through anyway, it's just fun. It's just fun as hell to watch. I enjoy the hell of it. It was great. I think, too, the the other thing that's – the NFL is an interesting league because any given Sunday is a real thing, right? So right. you you see these games where – yeah, I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, the the Patriots should win every Sunday from now to the end of the time end of time, and yet they don't. You know, right. they do lose occasionally, and sometimes in very big games, right? So, college football, you've kind of you you've more and more seen that the upper echelon of college football just can't be touched. Uh, Alabama became human this season. Now, some of that was due to injury and so on, but you you look and say, okay you see a team like Ohio State that, again, has the bodies, the Jimmys and the Joes, that they should be able to stand toe-to-toe with anybody and come out on top. Yeah, it's a lot more interesting to see them. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. My uh, my blood pressure was up a few ticks in that. <laughs> the, the, the stunning Mrs. Vance gave me some grief, too, because for the better part of the past decade, you know, there were more than a few times in the Urban Meyer area, era where it was the second half before a team – an Ohio State team got going like it just seemed like they would fritter around in the first half and kind of figure things out and and, I, and so I said for years we'd be watching a game and they'd be sputtering along I'd say ah, it's a second half ball club we're we're a second half ball club no no problem no problem so I'm, I'm freaking out on the couch you know Saturday night and she looks at me and she's like weren't you the one that always says this is a second half ball club I'm like yeah but this season they've been a second quarter ball club this right. is this is they're, they're they're about 15 minutes too late to kick it into, you know, Death Star mode. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and they, you know, they didn't. I mean, they didn't come out and win by 50 points. It wasn't a situation where it was like, oh, well, everybody was just kind of snoozing in the first couple quarters. We come out and win by 30 in the second half. Wisconsin was still doing what Wisconsin did. But again, what I'm saying is, is that you watch this game and you see the adjustments that Ohio State made and understand that they're capable of making those adjustments, even when they have players hurt, right? Especially on the defense. Wade was clearly banged up. You've got a Kudu who's, who's definitely dealing with some stuff. Our nets banged up a little bit. There, there is a team that was facing adversity and they overcame it. And I, I know everybody wants things to be completely smooth sailing and maybe in the eyes of, you know, the committee and, and wanting to jockey for college football playoff positioning, whatever you want to look as good as you possibly can. But to me, this was a classic game. It was so much fun to watch. I wasn't stressed out. I wasn't freaking out because again, as I was saying on Slack, I lived through the 2006 men's right. basketball and football seasons. I am completely invincible to anything bad that might happen to Ohio State forever. So if they had lost, it would have sucked. I would have been really upset. I would have been mad. But I got to tell you something, man. I am willing to accept that challenge in the face of really good competition. And honestly, I don't want to be a school that's like Clemson playing in a completely trash league where your championship game is against a nominally ranked team, right? You're playing Virginia, which kind of stumbles into a 20-ish ranking, and you beat them by 50 points. To me, that means nothing. This is the kind of game that proves why I like college football, but also I think proves the medal of Ohio State. And yeah, they got knocked down in the playoff rankings, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I, it just makes me appreciate performances 
like J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields and what Chase Young even, despite being stymied for most of the game, was able to kind of turn around in the fourth quarter. Those are the things that I really grow to appreciate. And, you know, it, like I said, I enjoy that because it shows the character of a team as far more than just a 50-point blowout. So I'm I'm pumped. Congrats to Ryan Day, obviously, for starting his coaching career 13-0. and um, Well, I guess you could even say 16-0 and maybe at this point. But um, starting his coaching career, his head coaching career in the way that he has, winning a third consecutive Big Ten championship for Ohio State. It's just – it's all gravy, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm cool as a cucumber. I love this. This is awesome. <clears throat> The other thing that uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, first team in history to bag an outright Big Ten title three years running. Yeah. That's kind of a mind-blowing stat when you think about it. Like, there have been some pretty good Big Ten teams over the years. And to come out and, and but wow, I mean, that kind of kind of blows my mind. So I was pretty excited about that, too. They, this team, this program's got a national title or bust in a lot of ways uh, more and more. But winning the Big Ten still means something, I think. Oh, I, I mean, it definitely does, especially when you've got competition that I think is as good as the Big Ten has offered in the past few years. I mean, obviously, you know, 10 years ago, we're talking about one of the worst Power Five conferences, but they've turned that around to a significant degree. And playing Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan all in a row says something. Now, again, and this is where we can do the segue here, it didn't say enough to the committee to say, okay, you deserve to be the number one team. I don't care. I, I don't care. A lot of people are really angry about this. Like, this is unfair. This is terrible. You look, if you watch LSU games, they are a really, really great team. Joe Burrow has been playing some excellent defenses, has annihilated, just eviscerated these defenses. I thought at some point he would trip up. He might have an off game. I didn't think he would look terrible or anything like that, but I thought he would come back down to earth a little bit. He has not. He is actually gotten better as the season has gone on. And frankly, I would make the argument that statistically he's having the greatest uh, quarterbacking season in college football history. Um, but my point is, is that they're a legitimate team. And for anyone to go like, I can't believe they would you know, rate LSU over Ohio State, man. I don't, again, I love Ohio State. I think what they've done is incredible. But the way the committee works is what have you done for me lately? And they, they care mo- more than anything else about the most recent game. LSU looked better than Ohio State against comparable competition. Therefore, they're ranked first. I don't have a problem with it. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I I was making the argument on Twitter that I thought Ohio State had done what they needed to do to earn the number one seed, you know, the wins over CFP top 25 teams. You know, the fact that their entire non-conference schedule was playing for a conference championship in their own individual conferences. Uh, The margin of victory, there was a neat graphic Fox put up during the game comparing Ohio State and LSU um, and and the margin of victory against top 25 opponents. You know, LSU had an average margin of victory of, you know, 10 or 12 or something along those lines over ranked opponents. Ohio State's was like plus 25. So, you know, it was was significantly wider margin. Now, I I realize that... uh, um, you know, Paul and the, the SEC um, apologists would jump on and say, well, you know, LSU's ranked wins were higher ranked. I saw uh, it was probably um, human parasite. Clay Travis said something along the lines <laughs> of uh, uh, all of LSU's wins were better than Ohio State ranked wins were better than Ohio State's top ranked win, which I'm like, OK, 
you know, take a long walk off a short pier, pal. But sure. you know, I don't have a problem with LSU getting the seed. I mean, certainly they they did look better in their championship game. Now you could make the argument that Georgia's offense is, you know, nothing to write home to mama about. And I will say, may- though, I will say, though, man, and I, I'm going to jump in on that. Your buddy, Bill Connolly, you look at his S&P Plus rankings for offense, Georgia's pretty high up there in terms of, like, efficiency. Yeah. And now, again, you, you I know, think you're, you're right. I don't agree with that, but I don't think they're as bad as people are making them out to be. And you yeah, look at Wisconsin. Bill, Bill's got them at 29, I think. Yeah. I mean, here's here's what I'm saying, though. You look at Wisconsin, though. Wisconsin's a really one-dimensional offense in a lot of ways. Jack Cohn is not, you know, he's not winning a game with his arm. So – if you're going to criticize Georgia for having a poor offense and LSU kind of dumping all over them, you gotta you gotta make that same argument with Ohio State, Wisconsin, because I I don't think anybody you know any team with a really competent defensive line like Ohio State has is going to have a shot against Wisconsin. Period. And and Taylor ran all over Ohio State in the first half. So I don't I mean to me that's a little disingenuous. I don't I don't really I don't think that's a comparison that works out super well for Ohio State's favor. Uh, when you look at Georgia's offense versus Wisconsin's, yeah, yeah, Bill would Bill would put uh, the current data looks like Wisconsin's, you know, eleventh <clears throat> ranked offense, which I I find really interesting these, that they're that high in SP plus, right. where uh, Georgia's twenty ninth, and it's not yeah. in in the actual rating itself. You're talking like thirty four point seven to thirty eight point six, so they're not worlds apart in terms of the actual rating itself. Um, even though they're, you know, almost 20 spots apart on the, the, the rankings. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, and interestingly enough, you know, where Ohio state and Wisconsin, both their defenses are higher rated than their offenses where LSU, it's the opposite, you know, the the offense is, is a fair bit. They're number two offense in the, the country, um, to just the number 22nd defense, Again, just by SP plus, not by, you know, aggregate uh, stats or yards or points allowed or anything along those lines. But yeah, it's an interesting comparison. I don't. Yeah. So I didn't have a problem back to the original question. I have a problem with LSU getting the seed. Certainly I would have I would have rather uh, had the number one seed. I think Ohio State versus Oklahoma would have been, you know, a much, um, much easier sledding than the right. LSU game. The that's flip, my so, point, and, though, dude. Because people, every time I hear people complain about this, it just seems like the undercurrent, the underlying like whisper that they're saying is like, "We don't want to play Clemson." Oh my God, please, for the love of God, we don't want to play. Yeah, Clemson. and I get it. I understand people don't want to, you know, have to take on a rejuvenated Trevor Lawrence, and they don't want Dabo complaining for a week before the game and then gloating afterwards. You know, I get that. I understand that. But to me, that's not a reason to try to rank Ohio state first, just because you want to duck Clemson. That's, that's garbage. And, and frankly, I welcome the opportunity to try to beat these guys because Clemson is cruising for a bruising and I want them to lose. I want Ryan day, specifically Ryan day, urban Meyer beats, you know, Dabo fine. All right. Like people talk about two D bags kind of going after each other and blah, blah, blah. That'll be the narrative. <laughs> Ryan day beats Dabo. Ryan day beats Dabo and Dabo loses his mind. He yeah. will. He will explode, and I, I, I really, 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 really want to see that happen. So, I'm not going to lie. I have like Michigan level um, hatred, maybe too strong a word because we're talking about sports and sure. not like things that really matter in life. But I have Michigan level hatred for Clemson. Clemson, <laughs> I, I want, I want 
everything bad and nothing good for, with the exception of the wonderful people in the college of agriculture there, because they're, you know, they're, they're a good ag school. And I actually know some really nice people who went to Clemson, uh, you know, well, because, a, I don't know, mutual, they're from the area. Professor and, friend of ours as well. Right. Yeah. We, right. We, right. Right. So we're a big fan of his. But yeah, that's that's all good. Uh, but sports wise, their their football program, you know, I mean, we could go back to Woody Hayes. We could go back to the ungodly drubbing the last time the the two teams met, and right. uh, you know, so for those reasons, I want nothing nothing good for them and everything bad. But the thing that's interesting about looking at the matchup, so um, SP Plus would put Ohio State at about a seven point favorite on a neutral field, which I think is a little fat. I mean, obviously Vegas has got it within one to two points. Uh, I think right now, I think they opened at Ohio State, maybe the point favorite, and it might have even switched. Um, a lot you know, of early Clemson's. money came in on Clemson. A lot of early I, money again, came in on Clemson. I don't think it makes sense. But. When you look at the ratings, though, so Ohio State, number four offense, number two defense, Clemson, number six offense, number three defense. So you're, I mean, you're more or less playing Ohio State versus itself in terms right. of the ratings, with the exception, this is where it gets wild. So Ohio State special teams rank number 18, uh, and, and Clemson's 103rd. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here like licking my chops, like waiting for something like, Hey, the time that Ohio state throws a, uh, you know, a fake punt or does that, uh, onside kick deal or Clemson drops a snap or botches the punt or there's a block. I mean, there's, there's sure. going to be some opportunities like that in the game. And, <clears throat> and it may come down to that, right? It may be like, uh, this Wisconsin game where you think about it, if Ohio state doesn't convert doesn't convert on that pass from the punter. That's a much different ball game. I think so too. And that and that drive didn't actually end up being beneficial for Ohio State. No, but no it, points. But it, the momentum. It momentum. That's and it, what, it, it's, yeah. it was really important for what happened. You could um, feel the change. You know, and I, I wasn't in the stadium, but you you could feel it shift because things started working after that. Even though they didn't score on that drive. I think it just it and plus it kept the defense off the field a little bit longer, right? Give them give them a little because they were yeah. they were looking gassed. Uh and they weren't actually gassed. I mean, obviously it seemed like they still played really well, but they'd been on the field a long time at that point. Yeah, and they needed I think they needed that, honestly. And I just you know, we talk about the individual performances by players. One of the guys that we don't talk about, I think maybe enough, even though he hasn't really gotten enough opportunities to prove his medal is is Blake Heibel, who dude, I mean Two key field goals, uh, I think, in, in important points to make sure that Ohio State continued their momentum. He's 10 for 12 on the year. I, I just what I'm saying is, is that those are the types of, it, you know, unseen things sometimes that really help a team stick together in adversity. I mean, I do want to go back. This is something that I, I feel like we kind of glossed over a little bit. J.K. Dobbins didn't have a great yards per carry against Wisconsin, uh, just like 5.2 or whatever. But. As I noted in one of my pieces after the game, he's had a hundred carries in the last three games. So that and, and including his average of 33 against Wisconsin. So this is a guy who, when Justin Fields has been limited, they said they they had no plans to run him because of his MCL sprain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take away a huge element of the running game that keeps teams honest. And I, I honestly think that, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin both were completely aware that he was going to be limited in that capacity. Uh, I mean, obviously after, um, you know, he got hurt really badly in Michigan, but he, he said he sprained his knee during the Penn State game. So I think Michigan was kind of aware that he was going to be hobbling around a little bit. Obviously, Wisconsin was. And to put the entire running game on J.K. Dobbins' back, and just have him go out and just 
fall out to me is a huge performance by that dude. Obviously his entire season is something that we didn't really expect coming into it. I mean, this is, this was an enormous bounce back season for that guy, but just what he's been able to do in the last three games, I think is really worthy of attention. One of the things that uh, Colin posted in uh, in Slack recently, or not recently, just within the past few minutes here, was when we were kind of getting into the uh, you know the Heisman finalists, and of course we're going to talk about that a little bit because you know we've got two Ohio State players who are going to New York, which is super sweet. But one thing that Colin mentioned was that J.K. Dobbins didn't play a single snap in the second halves of Cincinnati. Miami, Maryland, and Rutgers, and didn't carry the ball in the fourth quarter against Indiana, Nebraska, and Northwestern. That's easily three to four hundred yards of rushing in all of those games that he could have accumulated had those games been closer, had he been necessary, particularly because he would have gotten so many, you know, carries, so many handoffs in late game situations. So for me, you know, when you see the stats of a guy who would have broken Eddie George's record had he been used in the second half of games. Um, has been an essential part of the offense when the rest of it hasn't always been functional. I just, I got to give him all the props in the world. I think it's kind of a crime, honestly, that he's not going to New York with Chase Young and Justin Fields. And I just want to give that dude props because the last three games, he's been the engine that's kept this team going. Well, you, you said it, I think, really well on a piece Saturday night, you know, talking about he put the team on his back in, yeah. in the toughest three-game stretch, not just of the season, but, I mean, that's a historically – tough three game stretch you have to, to face Penn state, Michigan, Wisconsin, back yeah. to back to back like that. Um, and I love the stats that you included in that piece. You know, Zeke Elliott only hit the 30 carry a game mark twice. Michigan his entire being, career, his yeah. entire career, Michigan, one of them and, and Oregon being the other, um, it was, you know, Braxton Miller never got 30 carries, uh, Beanie Wells, actually I think you said, me a little bit, but right. Yeah. yeah right. And, and Beanie, I think you said it only happened twice in his career. So, right. you know, you're talking about some guys who were <laughs> pretty significant parts of the Buckeye offense during their tenures. And so Dobbins, uh, had 30 carries three in a row, right? So yeah, uh, that's, that's incredible. Three consecutive games at 30 carries 540 yards over that stretch and, and was absolutely the difference of whether or not they were going to make it or not. And, and there were times during that Wisconsin game, especially where you were like, Hey, you just got to rely on him to some of the passes fields were throwing, you know, he was, he was sailing a few, they, they were floating a little high out there uh, right. because of the, the challenges with he, as you noted, he wasn't able to, to run quite like we know he's capable of. So Dobbins, and he just, my gosh, that guy, uh, yards after contact, you know, drag two or three guys along with him. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing what he does. Yeah. And he's a smart runner too. some of the holes that he, he creates for himself, the, the patience that he exhibits. Yeah. I, I think he's maybe the most underrated to be one of the stars of the team. He may be the most underrated of the big stars on a team laden with big stars for yeah, what he's I, doing relative to, to how important he is to the team. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. He's less than a hundred yards away from Eddie's record. So he may very well break it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, and it's not just the fact that he's so durable and consistent and all that stuff. I mean, technically his running is just a joy to watch. He made a cut later in the game against Wisconsin that I'm like, I, I don't know how you defend a dude who's capable of jumping three feet to the left or right as he's going full speed down the field. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. sees someone in front of him and then he'll just hop 
And that's not, you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to stop your momentum on a dime like that, but he does it. And I don't know, man, he's just, to me, he's just a complete running back. He isn't, he isn't the guy that's going to give you the insane top end speed that Ezekiel Elliott has. He's not this gigantic bruiser like Carlos Hyde was, but he is just this jack of all trades that can do a lot of things really, 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 really well. And I don't know, man. The, I will say this. This is the other thing that I love about J.K. Dobbins is his patience. I, lesser running backs would freak out. And you can watch him on slow developing plays, and he just sits there, and he's like, you know what? If I get tackled behind line of scrimmage, take a yard loss, that's okay. I'm going to trust my offensive line to make their blocks, to get to where they got to go, and then when, as soon as they do, I'm, I'm off. And he has gotten first downs, touchdowns, all these other things that help keep Ohio State in the game because he's just smart enough to understand that eventually if, if he just goes with the flow of the line, he's going to find a space to squeeze through, and he does it again the 1800 yards plus this season which is just like i said a ridiculous number um it's kind of proven the pudding of what his style's doing and i just like i said it's it's really fun to watch and for a guy like me who enjoys that throwback smash mouth football from my youth i like i like it it's just it's cool to see that ohio state's got a running back like this that isn't just a home run hitter or he gets tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage it's just it's fun to see um, so I'm, I'm pumped and, and look, I know people are freaking out a little about Wisconsin or excuse me about Clemson. And I get that Clemson has clearly rounded into form. Trevor Lawrence looks much better than he did at the beginning of the season. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? Yeah. You want to be the man, you got to beat the man. So I'm just saying, I welcome this challenge. If look, I saw Ohio state win a national championship with a third string quarterback playing Wisconsin, who they were dogs to Alabama and then Oregon, which had been considered one of the best teams of the entire season. They did that three games in a row. If you don't think that Ohio state is capable of replicating that again with this team, then you don't have faith in this team. And that's okay. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just kind of along for the ride and you hope they win and blah, blah, blah. But my point is that if you truly believe that Ohio State is as good as we've all been saying they have been for the course of the season, playing Clemson, especially in Arizona, where it's going to be a home game for Ohio State, that should not freak you out. That should be an opportunity for you, and you should be happy at the opportunity to kick the crap out of Dabo and a team that is, like I said, they've got They've got a beat down coming, and I hope that Ohio State can administer it, and I believe that they can. I, it's, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I also don't think that they're just going to get blown out because it's bad you know, mojo or something like that. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, 100% on board with that, and, the, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, best possible environment for Ohio State. I mean, there's probably more uh, more Buckeyes living in that part of the world than there, yeah. uh, uh, than, than there are uh, people from about every other school there than maybe ASU, I don't know. But the, the, that environment has been extremely friendly to Ohio State over the years. How many Fiesta Bowls uh, the Buckeyes won? Uh, I mean, it's... It's fertile ground, and I'm, I'm with you because it's time to exercise some of those demons. Uh, Ohio State's never beaten Clemson, and that just feels wrong and bad. Yeah, and it's time to it does. it's time to stop that, <laughs> right? And so, like I said, I mean, we can complain about the criteria that the playoff committee has for how they rank teams and blah blah blah. I don't, I just don't care. I, they're in it. You got to be in it to win it. I don't care who they play. They've got to play tough teams regardless of who was going to be. Oklahoma could come out and just like shit house LSU. And then everybody freaks out and the whole thing turns on its ear. We don't know. I mean, honestly, if you look at the history of the college football playoff, number one seeds haven't done so hot. So this to me is an opportunity for Ohio State to really do something special. And 
again, if you believe that this team is as good as we've been saying it is all season, then you got to believe they got a shot against Clemson. I do. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a tight game. But to say that Ohio State, especially in three weeks' time, is just going to get run out the building by you know a potent passing offense from Trevor Lawrence, to me is – why do you want to even be in it in the first place if that's the way you feel about it? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, let's do it. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. In the meantime, <laughs> we've got to hope there aren't a lot of In-N-Out Burger locations in New York um, because we've got some hardware that a couple of Ohio State players yeah. are are going are gonna to competing for. And I, I we mentioned this earlier. J.K. Dobbins is not invited, unfortunately. I think he should definitely be there. But Chase Young is, as is appropriate. And Justin Fields is, as is... Eh, I'm glad I'm happy for the guy. I don't know that he necessarily should be there, but that's neither here nor there. Obviously this is Joe Burrow's trophy. I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that Ohio state's going to sneak in, especially when you've got two players splitting the vote. It's kind of an honorary thing. They, they probably have, you know, Burrow's name on the thing already. Um, right. How do you feel about this? Are, are you, are you happy with the two Ohio state players that they chose for New York? Yeah. I mean, I'm with you that I think Dobbins got slighted and, and I don't, I'm not worked up about that kind of the same way I wasn't worked up about Ohio State not getting the number one seed. But I think probably what happened to Dobbins is you looked and said, well, uh, it's sort of just been assumed that Taylor's the running back in the Big Ten. And since the Heisman Trophy has devolved into basically being the best uh, quarterback on a championship contending team award, you know, you look at the other three, you know, the finalists, it's three quarterbacks and Chase Young. Chase right. Young is getting invited because, you know, there was this sort of groundswell late, uh, you know, in the middle part of the season that said, wait a minute, this this dude is literally the best player in the country. Uh, and it was hard to deny because of the things he was doing. I enjoyed some of the yuck yucks on Twitter the last couple of weeks. You're like, oh, Chase Young's disappeared. And then you immediately find, you know, pictures from the Michigan game <laughs> and the Wisconsin team. game of, yeah, right. literally three guys blocking him at any given time. You know, and you think that doesn't, you know, make a difference into what your defense is capable to do when you're committing three men to uh, one defender, you know, well, it's going to open up other opportunities. Quick for... side note about that real quick. I mean, Jay Sean Cornell had one of his best games of the entire season. It is not a coincidence right? <laughs> that he's eating, right? Like he's doing real well when Chase Young is getting triple teamed on the same play. So uh, that's, that's something maybe people should kind of keep an eye on because he he's having an impact on the game, whether he's getting a sack or not. Um yeah, that's, like I said, no coincidence that some of the other players on the line were having sacks when Chase Young, like, they're literally, like, recruiting people from the stands to go block that guy. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty clear that he's still the impact player that he was earlier in the season. Yeah, and so when I look at Fields, you know, did, did he earn the invite? Sure, you know, he's Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, best quarterback in in the conference. What What really... I think opens people's eyes at him's that insane touchdown to interception ratio, 40 to one. Uh, I mean, that's best in the country. And then adding, you know, another not quite 500 yards and and 10 touchdowns on the season uh, on the ground. I mean, you know, he's thrown for not quite 3000 yards. So that's a pretty good season. I think. Um, And and if he'd been, uh, if he'd been playing there back to that whole thing about not playing in the second half and big, you know, a lot of big stretch of the season where, you know, you're saying wrap him in bubble wrap and, and uh, put him away because Ohio state doesn't have the quarterback depth that uh, they had when you had that winning national titles with the third string quarterback season. 
right. you know, th- that, that's that's all part of that. So was he going to catch Joe Burrow? I mean, Burrow's had a, an historic season. Uh, anyway, anyway, you slice it. And I'm with you. They've already got that trophy, uh, you know, engraved, and it's just waiting for him to come pick it up. But I think it's great that uh, Fields and and Young um, are invited. It would have been even better if it was Joe Burrow and three Buckeyes. <laughs> but I, I think the fact that uh, quarterbacks um, generally are the ones invited to uh, participate in this trophy and uh, Dobbins, uh, you know, it was it was easy to make him the odd man out of the three Buckeye Heisman as the as the official campaign put it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that you can say about what Justin Fields has done this season, and and I don't want to slight any of that because coming in, especially in the situation that he did, and, and having to adjust and, and acclimate to a new location, a new system, all that kind of stuff, and and perform the way he's performed and as efficiently as he's performed. I mean, the guy still has one interception on the entire year, which is just to me mind blowing. Um, he, he has been playing at an incredibly high level. So I don't want to take anything from that, but I think in terms of just sentimental value, you want to see a guy like Dobbins who came back after a really just mediocre for him season in 2018 to do what he's done in 2019. It's just, it would have been nice, but I, again, I'm not like, I'm not pressed about it. I, I understand why they would pick who they picked. And as you mentioned, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, we know who's going to win. So is it really that big a deal? Uh, Probably not probably not huge but you know and i'm excited for joe burrow i mean i actually as i was doing a little bit of prep for this podcast which yes i do occasionally do prep for the 11 upcast um (laughs) as i was doing prep i was trying to see i was trying to find a preseason heisman watch or ranking or poll or something that even mentioned joe burrow and i couldn't find anything i mean nobody was even putting him as like a dark horse candidate which I, don't, I mean, can you blame people? I mean, you've got all these other, you've got Tua, you've got Trevor, you've got all these other people that you can kind of put out there. Um, but yeah, man, he's just had a, like I said, look up the stats. I truly believe, obviously it's the best passing season by a quarterback in SEC history, which mm-hmm. I mean, hugely high bar, I'm sure. But um, even in co- the history of college football, it's it's really, in terms of accuracy, he's going to set the season, um like he's going to have the most accurate passing season or has had the most accurate regular season passing season in college football history, uh, beating Colt McCoy, who had things like 76% completion rate in 2008. He's a couple percentage points above that. Um, I mean, it's, it's really kind of bonkers what Joe Burrow has been doing. And, and <laughs> the fact that we had him on the dub cast and I kind of like jokingly referred to him <laughs> as a Heisman <laughs> candidate, like, Oh, okay. That's he's going to be awesome. a third string. Have fun, Joe. You know, and like that whole tongue in cheek shit. And now it's like, oh, well, he's actually going to win the Heisman. I'm a dumbass. Now, now uh, you got to refer to that. him. But see, you have to refer to him as friend of the program, Joe Burrow from That's now on. That's right. It's, you know, friend of the program. Couldn't, by the way, couldn't have been nicer. Great dubcast guest. I reckon people people go back and, and check that one out. Uh, I want to switch, before we get to ask us anything, I do want to switch to basketball, which I'm looking around. I feel, I feel like, I don't know, you're in a movie and then like, it's maybe it's one of those really crappy teen movies from the nineties and there's this huge house party and then the cops show up and everybody scatters and there's like one lone nerd just kind of left in the living room. And he's just kind of gesturing at all the detritus <laughs> and, and debris around him. Like what the hell? That's kind of how I feel about what's going on with this basketball team. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I've got my hands in the air and I'm just kind of shrugging. Like, I don't know how any of this happened. I don't know. I did not expect them 
to go out and just annihilate teams in the fashion that they've done it. I'm, they're beating the hell out of people, and they're doing it in just an unbelievably efficient way. They've got eight dudes scoring seven points or more, but nobody besides Caleb scoring more than 14. It's just it's wild. It's a really crazy thing to watch. I mean, you look at a guy, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling on this, but I'm just looking at these stats and it's just, I, I can't believe what I'm looking at. Dwayne Washington's hitting like 53% from three. I, I, I don't think that's something I would have expected at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, JJ Cart, DJ Carton coming in and obviously contributing and doing things from, you know, uh, experience standpoint where you wouldn't think he'd be that, you know, outstanding and whatnot, but he's the third leading scorer on the team. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with this team. I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know what they're going to look like in, you know, February or March right now, third best team in the country. I think they're every bit of that. So I'm, I'm here for the ride on that one too. It's, it's crazy. Well, and they got uh, five first place votes. I mean, they actually got more first place votes than Kansas did. Kansas is in, in second. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm convinced they're in second just be, because that's the the Kansas brand sure. r- relatively speaking. I mean, that, that matters. Uh, am I, am I remembering this correctly that uh, Ohio state played a, a closed scrimmage against the current number one team in the country? I swear I remember hearing about that. So I'm, I'm really interested uh, to see how this team develops. Cause I mean, you, you went to that Villanova game. Right. And you're like, wow, okay. I mean, because beat Villanova, that's a top ten team, this is a tournament team. All right, and then then you just keep rolling on, and and you <laughs> that North Carolina game. Oh my gosh! And I grant that it's you know not the same North Carolina team. I, I get that, and they sure, had yeah. some injuries in that game and so on. But you beat they beat it by like, twenty five points <laughs> in the Dean Dome. <laughs> in, you know, in the Dean Dome, like that's yeah. the. I mean, this is not, you know, that's not a one-off thing. Of course, they've, you know, they've just mauled everybody else in their schedule. And then what do you say about that Penn State game? That's the other thing. Like 106 points. I mean, they just, they just went super scion there. And and it was really in the last about 10 minutes of the game. um, Because I think about 15, they're up by 11, maybe something along those lines. Right. And, And they scored something like, something like 55 or 60 points in the last about 12 minutes of the game. I mean, it just was really incredible what they put together. And, and as you were noting, I mean, you have, you have two guys who are averaging double digits. Yeah. Two. And that's it. But, but opposite of what we saw during the, the Thad Mata era where you had, you know, five guys and we sort of pretended we had a bench uh, and uh, you're at the opposite end here where you've got seven or eight guys who are putting up, seven and eight points a night, yeah. seven, eight, nine points a night. So, you you know, you've got a much deeper roster, I, I guess you'd say. Um, and, and man, they move the ball so well. It was one of the things I really liked watching during that, that North Carolina game in particular, how well they moved the ball around the court and just made things happen. Uh, they don't, they don't make a lot of stupid mistakes. I mean, you have some fouls that you'd say, okay, guys, you know, beast. but I think they've even improved on that. I mean, Caleb, you were talking about him, you know, and we've, People at the early part of the season, the the big improvement people noticed was in in his physique, and obviously how much time he spent on on uh, training and nutrition and so on to kind of re- remake his physique heading into the season. But I think he's better, you know, at not making some of the really like what were you thinking, right. man, fouls um, that we saw and he's still far good too on the often a year too. ago. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Sometimes you lose that bulk and you lose the ability to kind of bang inside a little bit and play defense and all that stuff. He's still cleaning up on the boards when he needs to. So I mean, it, his game has just improved in pretty much every facet. And again, I think he's all big 10. I think he's going to be really good at the end of the year, but it, you're not looking at a roster. As I said, you're not looking at a roster. That's like, okay, there's, there's, you know, Aaron Kraft, there's Diebler, there's, you know, Sullinger, there's Evan Turner. There, there aren't guys that you're just clearly saying, okay, this is a person who is just going to dominate any team because of their skills or whatever they're going to do. They just, everybody plays really, really well within the system that they have. And right now everything's firing in all cylinders. And, you know, is that sustainable? Will that last? I don't know. Big Ten's pretty deep, right? They've got to play Maryland. Maryland's a really good team. They got to play Michigan. Michigan's doing really well. Michigan State obviously is going to round into uh, into form later on in the year. So you know, in Penn State, I even though they destroyed Penn State, I think Penn State's still a pretty damn good team. So you've got some difficult games coming up, but man, they look good. And I honestly this is not what I expected from this team. I thought they were going to be sneaky good. I thought they would get into the tournament, maybe take a couple games. I thought they would be crafty and kind of, you know, like, okay, this is the, you know, this is the schoolyard team that's going to mess with you a little bit. But right now they're just doing everything to perfection. And they've got the UK game coming up on the 21st, which I'm going to enjoy watching quite a bit, especially if they win that game. Uh, And right now, I would have to believe that they'd they'd be pretty solid favorites in that, right? Like unless something happens against Minnesota, which I doubt, or you know, coming up after Minnesota, they got to play, uh, I believe, Southeast Missouri State. Yeah. So right. also probably not a huge threat. So going into that, right, they're going to be what? They're going to be like eleven and zero, something like that. Yeah, for sure. So, so that I mean, to me, that's a that's almost a season defining game. You beat Kentucky. I mean, your top dogs in the Big Ten, and there's no, I mean, they, they gotta be the favorites to win out after that. So to win the big 10 after that. Yeah. So that Kentucky game is going to be huge. And then, and let's not forget, uh, you know, week after the Kentucky games, West Virginia, which is I think going to be a a really cool, I mean, that's a seven and one team right now, I think. Um, and playing that one in Cleveland, which is going to be kind of wild. And then, as you mentioned that Maryland, yeah, get through Maryland, um, it's weird. You don't have Michigan until February, uh, so it's going to be a while before before you see those cats. Uh, and that's that's going to be an interesting team right there. But I'm with you. I mean, beyond that, um, it's it's also really weird. You're not going to get not going to get to see Sparty clear until March, um, which feels like right. forever and a day from now. So there's a whole lot of basketball to be played before they get to you know some of their toughest games. But if you get through December and you've beaten. Villanova, North Carolina, and Kentucky, uh, all all ranked at the time you play them, and then you add in that uh, you know team at West Virginia um, that's only lost a game so far. And like you said, I'm with you that this Penn State team um, is is better than that score indicated. Really, uh, I man, I'm feeling feelings about this basketball team. I Chris Holtman, I mean, what can't you say about that guy? I just gush yeah. about him every time we talk about him, but it's because well, yeah. every time. Every time I think I, I can't like this dude anymore, they do something like beat North Carolina by 25 on the road or drop 106 on Penn State. I mean, it's, it's a wild time we live in. Yeah. And well, and then you looked at that in conjunction with the basketball team. And it's just, you know, uh, you know, it, this is really something that people need to step back and appreciate because it's not something that happens super often unless you're Ohio State. And Ohio State fans have just been completely spoiled the last few decades here. 
uh, between Mata and that, or yeah, Mata and, you know, Trestle and Urban and Ryan Day and Holtman, you've just been the beneficiary of some incredibly good coaching. And that doesn't, you look at Michigan, which is a team that has had success in the basketball court, has done really well in the basketball court, but can't pull it together on the football side of things, despite some really high profile hires. I mean, they just can't get over the hump. That can happen to Ohio State. People thinking that Ohio State's immune from that because they're Ohio State. you got to understand, there's a lot of intentionality that comes with those coaching hire decisions, and it doesn't happen by accident. So, you know, you got Urban Meyer. <laughs> Urban Meyer on TV talking about, like, yeah, I picked Ryan Day. I'm the guy he said. <laughs> like, which is great. I mean, maybe Urban Meyer did, and maybe that's that's it. But it's it's usually much more involved than somebody saying, this guy looks good as a coach. Like, you got to do a lot of legwork to figure out who you want to lead these um, money-making teams for you in the largest athletic department in the country. So Ohio well, State's done really well for itself, and the proof is in the pudding. Official uh, Twitter feed had a nifty graphic earlier in the week. So look at the number of teams in the top 10. High State football at number two, men's basketball at number three, women's hockey at number five, men's yeah. hockey at number six. I give a shout out to uh, Tom Ryan and, and the wrestlers because uh, in the Same last deal, week's uh, coaches poll, number seven, um, and chance I think they might move up um, a space yet in this week's poll. So, yeah, you I mean, kind of five of your marquee teams in the top seven in the country in their respective polls or rankings, th- there aren't a whole lot of places in the country that can come anywhere close to that. Yeah. And times are good, man. Bring on Clemson. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, you know, like it's when you're, when this is, when things are going this well, you got to keep pressing and see what you can get. And yep. it's, it's, you know, like I said, it's fun on a bun. I just enjoy watching it and I'm certainly not going to, uh, to shy away from any challenges here. So anyway, with all that said, all that great fun stuff said, uh, the Dubcast continues to be sponsored by our dry goods store and your interest, please check out our dry goods store, drygoods.11warriors.com. Uh, shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Christmas is coming up. Get those orders in. All kinds of great stuff on there. Check it out. And before we get out of here, we got to do a little Ask Us Anything. Uh, you can send us questions, ask us anything to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This first one here is from Suncard. Suncard wants to know, if Joe Burrow wins the Heisman, he will, uh, but not the national championship, does he still go down as an LSU legend? Man, I would, I would think so. I would think so because, you know, he, he's the best quarterback they've ever had. He is. And, and he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's brought, he's given LSU their mojo back in a lot of ways. Cause what was the knock on LSU, you know, for a number of years, which just, it was like, Oh, you know, they had terrible quarterback play. Right. I mean, they, they, so like that Matt was a thing they were best quarterback ever basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a thing they were known for. Right. I mean, that was the thing. It was almost like Clemsoning, you know, yeah. you have different programs that are sort of known for, whatever their big boo-boo is. Uh, so that was a thing. And yeah, he's brought them back to now they're one of the best offenses in the country. So obviously that, you know, coaching and scheme and so on is part of that, but he's, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think so. And, and plus you sort of assume here he's going to win um, their, what are they in the peach bowl? Is that the, is that the other semifinal this year? So he's going to win at least one bowl game. I mean, I don't have any question in my mind that they're going to beat Oklahoma. So it's kind of hard to say. And they had a great season last year too, right? So yeah, he was excellent. Yeah. I, 
I don't have any question about that. If I were an LSU fan, I'd sure be wearing a Joe Burrow jersey if such a thing existed. Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely going to go down as an LSU legend. I will also say that there's a big difference between being a Troy Smith legend and being an Ezekiel Elliott legend. You know what yeah. I mean? Because, again, I, I loved watching Troy Smith play. I was in college while he was in college, so I saw it in person. And I remember watching the 1v2 game, you know, with Michigan and thinking, you know, who cares that they're in third and 18? They're going to convert. I, I I had no worry about that game whatsoever because I knew that Troy Smith was the best quarterback I'd ever seen play. Had no concern whatsoever about the Florida game and the championship because I just knew this guy was going to be great. All I'm saying is, is that, you have a really awesome experience leading up to it. You can win that Heisman and whatnot, but you got to close the deal. You got you got to close the deal because if you don't, it's going to take that luster off a little bit. And he's look, Joe Burrow is still going to be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks in LSU history, one of the greatest quarterbacks in SEC history with what he's put together this season. But you got to close it because if you don't, there's always going to be that little asterisk next to your name that says, "Hey, guy didn't win the championship. He didn't get the natty," and that's to to college football fans, to fans of sports in general, if you're going to be that good, that's the way you kind of confirm to history that you were actually that good. And that's winning a championship. So again, he'll still be a legend. It's going to take the shine off a little bit, which would be a shame because like I said, what he's been doing is just mind boggling. Um, next one here. This is from a good friend, Alvin. Alvin wants to know, we didn't even mention this and I'm really glad Alvin wrote it in. Uh, is this the last time Ryan Day can win the Big Ten Coach of the Year Award, a.k.a. the annual Kirk Ferentz Award, uh, as it's the only time he can, quote, exceed expectations? <laughs> yeah, I mean, think, I, way, I, but, I, I wasn't yeah, I sure that question, he had a legitimate Andy. shot at it this year. And I think if right. if Minnesota had beaten Wisconsin and played in the Big Ten Championship oh, game, 100%. P.J. Fleck wins that. Fleck was going to win the award. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Do you think an Ohio State coach wins it Let's say, I think the last time was like, what, 1979? 79. Was the last time? Yeah. Probably Earl Bruce's first year, I guess. So do you think it's going to be another 40-some years, 40, 50 years before an Ohio State coach wins it again? I mean, without assuming that Ohio State at some future time falls off the proverbial cliff. Yeah. You know, like uh, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, Ryan Day retires having won, you know, multitudinous national championships and and his successor turns out to be, you know, a an adult-pated twit or slack-jawed yokel. Like, I, aside from there being some, like, future time where Ohio State isn't Ohio State, the way it's been for the most part, because even, even, even in the Cooper era when we weren't beating Michigan – they were still one of the best teams in the country every year. Right. So, you know, I, I have a hard time. Uh, yeah, it'll be 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Every, it, every bit. It will be. And what's really funny to me is just the criteria is the most Midwestern crap ever, which is like, you know, if you're good, if you're bad and then you're good, we will give you, you know, recommendation and say, what a great job. We love you. You're awesome. But if you're good and then you continue to be good, we're like, I don't get out of here go away like shut up no one cares you're not special no one likes you so yeah alvin's right if if ryan day goes on and has a you know jim trestle urban meyer type career at ohio state wins the national championship wins 11 12 games every season he's never gonna win it again 
ever because he's he's proven that he's good. He's proven that he has no adversity that he actually has to deal with. He will have fulfilled the prophecy as set forth by MGo Blog, which is that Ohio State is just horrible cheaters and will win forever because they're they made some kind of pact with the devil, right. and he will never get another Big Ten Coach of the Year award, which you know to me is actually okay because I want to continue making jokes about it. So I, I kind of hope I kind of hope he never does. I hope somebody completely undeserving next year wins the award so I can return to making really stupid pithy jokes about how, you know, he's just completely disrespected. I actually really hope Kirk Ferentz wins wins it again for no reason. I think he's got he's got to get a, he's got another one in him surely. Oh, sure. I mean, when's his con- I mean, his contract's probably not up until like 2040, 2050, something like that. He's got he's, he, Kirk Ferentz is like, you know, my radio hero was Paul Harvey, and Paul <laughs> Harvey famously signed a 10-year contract on his 90th birthday. Right. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Kirk Ferentz, right? Guy's Hell been, yeah, man. Guy's been coaching since uh, Christ was a cornerback, and he's, uh, he's going to be coaching another 10 years at least. Well, that's the thing, though, because my other – you know, when I first started in the blogging game and, and writing about stuff, I would have these little, I don't know what you would call them, but these little totems, right, that I would go back to because I just really, really love talking about them. And one of those was Kirk Ferentz's contract, which he now has a new contract and extended through 2025. But he previously had a contract that I think he signed in 2006 or something like that. And it was like a 12-year contract or some insane goofy crap thing. Yeah. And his buyout, his buyout was something like $50 trillion. And it was just the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen. And it just, every time I thought about it, it made me laugh. And what I'm saying is, is that I hope he ends up doing the whole like Dan Snyder thing and and ends up, you know, just signing this contract or not Dan Snyder. What am I saying? Coach from Kansas state. Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder. There you go. Dan Snyder's the the Washington dude. I'm screw that guy. He's terrible. <laughs> Bill Snyder. Totally Bill Snyder, different. much less terrible and much <laughs> yeah, more entertaining. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, coaching when he's in his mid seventies, late seventies. I hope, like you said, with Paul Harvey, I hope Kirk, Kirk Ferentz is in the same situation and signs like a twenty year contract when he's like eighty three or something. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm all about um, it. Yeah. So anyway, Ryan Day will never win another Big Ten Coach of the Year. Sorry, Alvin. I apologize, but it's a good question. So that's Ask Us Anything for this week. I Look, I'm sitting pretty. I don't care that they got to play Clemson. It doesn't make me sweat at all. I'm excited. This whole season has just been completely insane from start to finish. And now you've got a basketball season that's ramping up that also promises to be insane from start to finish. I think it's great. I'm smelling like a rose. Obviously, they've got a couple games to play here, but I'm just like you said, man. Like you say every time I talk to you, how can it get any better than this? It can't. It really can't, unless they win the national championship, which they might. Which they might. So until uh, until next week, I'm Johnny. He's Andy, and and we'll be back to break it down next time.